This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and I'm joined by James Hill and Katie Balls. Well, Lee Anderson has made quite an impact in his first few days in the job and it's thanks to you James so just explain your part in his upfall well (laughs) last Wednesday a few hours after our magazine issue went to press I went to interview him in his office in the House of Commons and I think the reason why was was twofold one of which was uh, my political editor Katie Ball suggested that in light of the current focus on cost of living, you know, Lee Anderson is one of the few MPs feels able to talk about issues about personal budgeting and responsibility in the current financial climate. And Lee Anderson obviously has made a number of posts saying that nurses or any staff who earn more than £30,000 a year and are using food banks, uh, there must be a budgeting problem there. So that's the first thing about his role in the cost of living crisis. The second thing is I was talking to a lot of MPs and they were saying positive things about him. You know, he was doing a lot of speaking engagements, could see it sort of popping up on Twitter, etc. So I wanted to talk to him about his role within the party. And actually, while we were there, I asked sort of two interesting questions. One of which was uh, at the time there was more a vacancy. More than two interesting questions, James. <laughs> well, <laughs> two, two, at least two and two, a half. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was a 40-minute interview, yeah. Um, the, okay, uh, or, or, okay. Uh, there was one question which stood out, which was, um, you know, would you be party chairman? And uh, he said, oh, no, no, ridiculed that. And then he moved on and said, well, you could be deputy chairman. He said, oh, it might be, we'll see. And obviously, six days later, 24 hours before this magazine interview went to press, he was de-promoted. Uh, and the second thing, of course, which has got all the headlines is, um, I asked him, as a member of the Howard Professor Select Committee, uh, what he thought about um, capital punishment. And he endorsed it enthusiastically in his pugnacious and uh, slightly tongue-in-cheek sort of way and um, yeah it's had a big pick up today and uh, made lots of newspapers. He said it had a hundred percent success rate in preventing reoffending. Yes uh, yeah he... which is indisputable. Y- yes I mean there's a certain logic to that <laughs> and uh, yeah I think that sort of uh, encapsulates the man really and uh, what it's really telling actually in the last uh, hour or so is that the Sun have done an article talking about the number of Tory MPs who've come out and supported him and I think that shows two things one of which this is a popular view on certain parts of the party and second of all Lee Anderson himself is a quite a popular man among a number of his colleagues and they've got lots of uh, good stories about him and uh, like being in his company. Katie how inconvenient is this for the government they obviously knew what they were getting when they appointed Lee Anderson as a deputy chair and you know he's not a minister he's not setting capital punishment policy so is it is it just one of those talking points that might distract from uh, other less convenient topics that the government normally has to answer questions on I think if the government were planning what they would like to see in terms of the appointment of Lee Anderson he clearly has been picked for this role in the full knowledge and partly because he is an outspoken figure for some of the reasons James has put out there no nonsense challenges the left helps Rishi Sunak a bit of his red wall problem with the fact that lots of MPs think that he is more focused on the blue wall and to have Lee Anderson there helps there but I still think you take all into account they didn't really imagine on his first week I think just over 24 hours in the job they'd be dealing with the capital punishment story and (laughs) yet I don't think there is mass panic about it I think it's seen as a slightly oh are we doing this but in terms of what lots of actually 
Tory members and some voters think. I think if you look at public polling, there's obviously a lot of outrage today over the comments, but I had one MP say to me, well, they didn't think it would do too badly amongst their voters. And one of the things Lee Anderson says to James Hill in his interview is that he often, perhaps pre- quite a prescient comment from Lee Anderson, um, saying he often will say things and everyone will go mad at him in Westminster and all the press, and then he'll get back to his constituency and people say, well, you know, you're talking sense. And I wonder if... Um, he will put this in the, in that bucket. Yeah, and just to add, I mean, there was polling that showed that uh, Tory members do support by majority capital punishment. So arguably, uh, his job is to represent the members and be in the party. So maybe he's delivering from day one uh, in the new job. Um, we have had a Home Secretary in the past, Pretty Patel, who had, prior to joining the government, voiced her support for capital punishment. So this has been something that's been navigated before by the Conservative Party. Mm. Yes. And I think it also helps by the fact that it was the last interview you gave on the back benches. So they could say, well, he wasn't a, speaking in a party capacity at the time. He's also technically not a member of the government by not being a minister. Um, I think this is one of the really interesting issues. We were having this discussion earlier, which was actually about if you look at the polling, I think 40, 50 percent, depending on whatever you look at the survey, it is capital punishment. There is a significant minority, if not a slight majority of voters who support capital punishment, depending on the scenario. That is a view which is not represented in the mainstream of British politics or maybe the leadership of British politics. So, But obviously a number of MPs do feel a certain sympathy. And I would add that I think in Lee Anderson, to give some context to his comments, he was pointing out that, uh, you know, he used the specific case, for instance, of Lee Rigby's killers, where there was footage, it was clear, it was no doubt evidence, it was clearly proving that they'd done it. Um, so I think he was trying to sort of ward off that argument about how can the state ever be sure. So, um, yeah, it's something, that's something that goes behind the scenes. It's not something that typically ministers in the Home Office or leaders etc engage in i think the last uh, party leader who supported capital punishment was margaret thatcher in the early votes in the 1980s uh, but since then it hasn't really come back other than perhaps with the exception of ira terrorism in the late 80s as well katie the other magazine piece this week on politics is yours which is your cover piece on the hauntings of rishi sunak so we've had your interview with liz truss at the start of the week We've also had Boris Johnson pushing Rishi Sunak to go further on supporting Ukraine. Just just tell us a little bit about how the Prime Minister's feeling about having all these helpful interventions from his predecessors. Well, I think Downing Street are taking a keep calm and carry on approach and just try not to feed it in any way. And you could see that in the sense that while there have been a few Tory MPs after Liz Truss's 4,000 word article and then the Spectator interview, who came out and said, I don't think it's helpful. I don't think she should be talking right now. You haven't had any of that coming from the lobby briefings or even, you know, people who you might think would speak for Rishi Sunak. I think probably the closest you got was a William Hague column in The Times, um, which was ultimately suggesting that both Boris Johnson and Liz Truss should fess up to their failures. And I, and I think given William Hague is very close to Rishi Sunak, um, had his seat before him and did the pep talk at the Cabinet Away Day, it does to me just slightly, for all for all the number 10, we are not feeding it. Yeah, you think, um, well, that is at least someone close to you who has strong views on it. But again, trying not to give oxygen to it but I think we can just see it this is just going to be a continuing theme for Rishi Sunak which is because Rishi Sunak does want to be a bit more lo-fi as a prime minister and to take the drama out it means people and journalists but also politicians will find their drama elsewhere we know Liz Truss is going to be making more interventions there's a question as to how much attention they get you tend to get the greatest attention the first time you say something you know less can be more but also if you look at Zelensky and the address yesterday I mean the fact that Boris Johnson does get credit as a friend of Ukraine 
Ukraine, the fact that Boris Johnson, even though this was, you know, Rishi Sunak's big moment with President Zelensky, and, and I think he, he did manage to establish himself to a degree like that, but you still have Boris Johnson on the sidelines constantly pushing the government to go further than they are planning to do or they're currently at. And it just means um, you, I think you have two kind of tensions in just having such recent predecessors in the Commons. And James, the Zelensky visit has obviously dominated this week's agenda in Westminster. In terms of the long-term impact, do you think it does mark a ramping up of UK support even further to the extent that you know, in the coming weeks, we may suddenly see what was previously dismissed as being impractical become possible, which is the supply of UK jets to Ukraine, something Zelensky asked for in very vivid terms in his address to Westminster Hall. Yes, I think you can't underestimate the impact of President Zelensky coming here. Just purely anecdotal, I remember I went on my Instagram and I followed, and every sort of staffer and MP I follow was just picture after picture after picture. It is something that just Labour, Conservative, people were really proud of that. And it was a slight reminder, I think, that whatever debates we have here in this country, you know, economic or political, as visceral as they are, they're thrown into sharp relief by that. Um, and interesting, I think, was talking to someone from Labour yesterday and they were sort of wondering, um, you know, given J- Jeremy Corbyn didn't make much of the visit, you know, how Labour's changed in their position on Ukraine, etc. Um, so I think that it will only add to the, the pressure. And I think that having that address and given Rishi Sunak is so keen to, to ward off that pressure from Boris Johnson that Katie was talking about and see himself as Boris's successor in that respect, I think, as you say, the pressure isn't going to diminish. And if you look at the front pages of all the newspapers today, they are just unquestioningly uh, uncritical in their support of President Zelensky and what he said yesterday. Thank you, James. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening. And if you just can't get enough of Coffee House Shots, which I know is true for most of you, we've got another one of our live podcast events coming up after the budget on the 15th of March. It's got Katie, it's got Kate Andrews, it's got Fraser Nelson, and it's got a special guest. So special, I have no idea who they are. To get tickets, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash budget. This podcast was produced by Cindy Yu.